Well, today we come into Revelation chapter 6, and uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, I read the story about this evangelist, and he asked everyone in this meeting if they wanted to go to heaven. And well, uh, if you want to go to heaven, he asked to raise your hands. Well, everyone in the audience did so except one elderly man sitting near the front of the auditorium. So the preacher, noticing this, uh, uh, singled him out, pointed to him, and called him out saying, Sir, do you mean to tell us that you don't want to go to heaven? Well, the man was totally unembarrassed and he said, Sure, I want to go to heaven, but the way you put it, I thought you were getting a busload to go tonight. Well, we all want to go to heaven. We all want to be with Jesus. And, and uh, death, when we talk about that, which we have to pass through that, unless the rapture happens, right? Uh, we got to pass through that. Sometimes that can be uncomfortable to talk about. But we know as believers in Jesus, there's no fear. There's no worry. Death is not the end because of the cross. It's really the beginning of a life in heaven. Yet still, people die. Yet still, it can be hard on us. I mean, you know, my heart goes out for those families, as you know, recently in the news in India, you know, so many died, right, from the virus. Um, uh, my heart goes out to the families of those who, who died. Just a few days ago, I was reading, it was reported 291, 365 deaths. And it was reported that in 24 hours, 4,000 people died. I thought, wow, that's crazy. Could you imagine the families? Could you imagine the parents or, or the children or the family, friends, neighbors, and just how they're feeling who are left? I mean, it was so bad in the city of Uttar Pradesh. Police, they started to patrol the banks of the Ganges River to stop the dumping of corpses in the river. A government spokesman said, we keep recovering 10 to 20 bodies. Crazy. My heart goes out to the people who, who have died of the virus. My uncle almost died. Uh, um, I know my uh, daughter's boyfriend, his, his grandmother's friend even passed away. And I was like, wow. I mean, to me, each person is a soul, right, that has passed from this life to the next. But what we see in the world today, these widespread deaths, they're going to be nothing compared to what we see in the pandemic when the future comes. When we see there'll be nothing compared to what will happen when the fourth horse and its rider comes into the world. Now that's what we're going to see here today. We're going to finish up our series of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and this is part four. And we're, we're going over the pale horse today, verses seven and eight of Revelation six. And our outline today is this, the appointed time of the fourth seal, number one, and number two, the arrival of a widespread death. Now, as you know, as, we, as we've been studying this section, right, from verse one through now, we're coming to verse eight. Uh, we've seen these four horsemen of the apocalypse. And you remember the first one was the white horse, verses 1 and 2, and that represented the arrival of, of the wicked conqueror. And we talked about the Antichrist and his arrival there. We saw the red horse in verses 3 and 4 and represents the arrival of warring violence. How People are going to start just killing each other. I mean, worse than what we see today where peaceful rallies are turned into riots and people are more violent. And, and uh, someone's just telling me, you know, what? In, in Texas, they just passed a law. It's going to come into effect of, uh, in a few weeks that uh, you can buy a gun without any license now, without having to go through any of that process. So I thought, wow, that's crazy. But it's all being set up, right? So the red horse comes, bring rival warring violence, uh, uh, people slaying each other, it's going to turn into war, as we talked about. And then last week, we saw the black horse, verses 5 and 6, and that represents the arrival of a worldwide famine, right? I talked about the economy crashing and, and the prices of goods and food going up, and it's going to, uh, people are going to starve and all that. Well, today, we come to the fourth and final horse, and that is the pale horse, verses 17 and 8, and today, we see the arrival of wide spread 
death. That's our, the heading in our second uh, point in our outline. So let's begin, first of all, in verse 7. And number one in our outline, the, point, the pointed time of the fourth seal. The pointed time of the fourth seal. So let's take a look here. Revelation chapter 6, verse 7, it says, And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. Now, we begin here with the Apostle John continuing to write what he's seen, right? He brought into heaven this vision in chapter uh, uh, 4, and now he wrote about the events in 5 and 6. And now, here in verse 7, he sees the opening of this fourth seal, which will bring that fourth horseman. Now, this seal is part of the seven seals sealing the scroll in Jesus' hand. And you remember back in chapter 5 in Revelation, we learned that this scroll is a title deed to the earth. And as Jesus breaks the seal and unrolls the, the scroll, we read about this event or the horsemen that are going to come out. And that scrolls not only the title deed but it brings about this process of Jesus taking authority over the earth once again basically in our first message back in revelation chapter 5 we saw it was taking back what was lost to satan when man sinned so this process is the start of this tribulation when he breaks that first soul the last 7 years of this world as we know it and it brings upon the world this judgment being poured out on the people of this world. So we see here now in verse 7, the fourth seal is broken open. And when it was open now, the fourth living creature called out to come. Now that fourth living creature, remember as we've been talking about, is one of the four cherubim, powerful high-level angels that are right there around the throne of God. We saw in Revelation 4, ready to do God's bidding. So here's the fourth cherub, cherubim. He calls out, come to bring the next event that will fall upon the world. And as I mentioned already, and, and we're going to see in the next verse, this is death coming out of Jesus opening this fourth seal. So what Jesus opens at this point in future history is the appointed time of the fourth seal. That's our heading here. And this is how in the tribulation many will die. Understand that as we come here. Now, I got to tell you, this, this isn't like the most happiest message to give, right? But this is where we're at. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. And I was, as I was looking at this and studying this this week, I was just thinking about, wow, this is going to be this appointed time, right? When, when a lot of death is going to come out in the world. And, and please don't say, oh, great, Pastor Rick. Oh, what a happy message, you know, coming to church on Sunday. So sorry about that. But this is where we're at. This is the reality of things. And the reality of things that I was thinking about is there is a time, a appointed time for every person on this earth to pass from this life. In Job 14, verse 5, and this is the New Living Translation, it words it this way, it translates it this way. You have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live, and we are not given a minute longer. We know our days are numbered, like the psalmist said, right? God, that's God's appointed time, and we're looking at well, the opening of this fourth seal is the appointed time of many on this earth during the tribulation that are going to die. Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, And just as it is appointed man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. So for these people, this is God's appointed time. Jesus is opening this scroll. It is His will. It's God's plan at this time to die. The appointed time with this fourth seal, and time is run out to be redeemed when they die. You know, thinking about this for me, that, that this is going to happen with this fourth seal, I don't know about you, but it, it makes my heart sore just to think about it. 
When that appointed time comes for many who don't know Jesus to die, I tell you, it's hard to hear this, isn't it? It's hard for us to even conceive that here's Jesus breaking open the scroll. But we know, we understand, right, that death is a consequence of sin. That in living in this fallen world, we're going to see much of it. And that ju- that's the judgment of sin. It is death. I know we talked about this a few weeks ago, and we went more depth into that. If you missed that, you know, ca- catch our... Our, our podcast on Spotify or go back on YouTube and you can go back to that part where I talked about the judgment of God. But this is what's going on. We know we live in a fallen world because of sin and we know that is the consequence of sin. It's just what it is. Many years ago, a book came out written by a rabbi named Herod uh, Kushner and it was titled this, when bad things happen to good people. You might have heard of that. It got popular. It got on this best uh, uh, seller list. And, and I think it's because that's what people ask, right? People ask more, not when, but the, the question is, why does bad things happen to good people? Everyone wonders that. Suffering, death. We talked about suffering last week, if you want to go back to that too. Now, This book was actually dedicated to the rabbi's son, Aaron, who died at the age of 14 of an incurable genetic disease. And so what was the sum of it? What was his answer? Well, basically, Rabbi Kushner said that God does his best to help people going through these things and to be with them in their time of suffering. But he also said this. He said, God is not able to prevent it. And for me, it's like, Wow, that's not a lot of hope there, right? That's not a lot of hope being put forth there. Now we know in one sense that death is a consequence of sin. We live in a fallen world. We're getting, we see much of it. Things happen. And, and we see here that God will judge the world with death. How do we reconcile all this? Jesus doing this? You know, I think when it comes to this question, why does bad things happen to good people? What should be asked, really, are there really any good people at all? Right? That's what we should think about. I mean, because of sin, does anyone really deserve any good things? The Bible says in Romans 3.10, none is righteous, no, not one. There is no good people. I think the question is not, why does bad things happen to good people? But it should be phrased, why do good things happen to bad people? Right? And you know what the answer is? Grace. Grace and mercy. No one deserves the goodness of God. Nobody. Not me. Not Billy Graham. No one. We're sinners. One sin. And we deserve judgment. One sin. But yet God in His grace, He comes to us in love. And you know what? He brings Jesus. He brings atonement for that sin. He brings forgiveness for that sin. And we're not under that judgment. Isn't that wonderful to know that there's grace And so our hope is found in God's grace. Your hope is found in God's love. You you know, I put my hope in Jesus, you guys. That's what I do. I put my hope in Jesus because he died and he came to save me from the judgment I deserved. And that's how we should see things here. Now, I know death is a hard subject. And for many of you, it, it, it's painful, especially your, when your loved one dies, especially when maybe there's a miscarriage, you know, of, of a, a baby you really wanted, maybe the loss of your spouse or death of a baby or a child. I mean, it's hard, right? And maybe as, as I'm talking about this and we're reading about this and, and, and what I see is, wow, there's a point in time that's coming with this fourth seal of 
see of people on the earth and my heart is sore for the people there. And maybe for you, it, it brings up these emotions. Maybe right now you're struggling. Maybe there's struggles in the past and it's, it's bringing up this emotion and thought. And so before we go on, I really felt led to talk about how to have hope in times of death. How to have hope in times of death. And let me give you a few things here. Number one, number one is this. You know how you have hope? When you struggle with the why, hold on to the who. When you struggle with the why, hold on to the who. Listen to what um, I remember Pastor Chuck saying once. Uh, Never trade what you do know for what you don't know. I love that. In times of death, right, when a loved one goes, and we, it's hard, right? We can go into despair. We, we can start to question God. We can start to say, why? Why, God? But the timing, the, the way maybe this person passed, maybe why this one had to go, God, it's not always for us to understand. On this side of of heaven, we may never know. One day I believe we will. One day in heaven we're going to know. But on this side of heaven, it's it's hard. And so when when we look at the why, it only makes us more in despair. It only like rubs that that soreness even more and more. So it's important to steer away from the why, but focus on the who. And what I mean is you focus on God and who He is. You focus on what you know the Word of God says about Him and these, these kind of situations. You focus on the who and how, how God is, who He is, His character. I mean, it means that, you know what? I can trust God that no matter, He's still working some way. Even in this fallen, messed up world, he still has a sovereign purpose somewhere on this. We can trust God that He is holy and righteous and, and He'll never do us wrong. He, he's full of all wisdom. That's another one of His attributes, right? And we know also, right, that God is love. And that character never changes, no matter how hard it is. So don't let your pain confuse you with with. with trying to put in things and reasons of, of why when we really don't know. Find that life raft in the ocean of emotions by clinging to what you do know about God. So when you struggle with the why, hold on to the who. That's how to have hope in times of death. Number two, let hope be greater than your griefs. Let hope be greater than your griefs. In Psalm 116, verse 15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And I love that. Whenever I do memorial service, I like to bring that out because I like to think that, well, God is right there when that person passed. You know? God, is, God is right there. He cares about that person. It's not just, well, your time, your appointed time is here and okay, come, you know. No, he's right there to receive them. Jesus is right there to bring them home. Jesus is right there to prepare a place for them. This is his son. This is his daughter that he's bringing home. This is the one whom he died for, who, who believed in him and is saved. And, and as we know what the word says, we'll have eternal life, right? We know what Jesus said. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he'll live forever. This is what, what, what uh, uh, I remember Amy Carmichael, this missionary to India, said it, it's promotion day. It's graduation day. Yeah. From this life into finally being home and being in heaven, getting their glorified body. And so let hope be greater than your griefs. This for sure hope that they are with the Lord. Now you may ask, but, but what if I'm not sure? What if I'm not sure if they, they were really saved in Jesus? What, what, what about that? You know what I say? You never know. You never know. And my hope is in God. 
My hope is in what the scripture says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God desires that none would perish. And you never know in those last moments. You never know what they were thinking. You never know what was maybe put inside of them. And in that last moment that they called out to Jesus. You never know. I don't know for sure. I'm not saying I do. But my hope is in the fact that God will not give up on anybody all the way even to the last moment. It's their choice, yes. But I know my God that He, he, he loves everybody. He loves this person. And I believe the Holy Spirit will reach out to the very last moment. I, I believe more than we know that my loved ones, they're in heaven right now. I, I, I'm holding on to that hope. I understand, yeah, everyone makes their choices. I understand, not everyone will. But my hope is, oh, my prayers for them will be answered, even if it's right then at that very last breath. That's my hope. So let hope be greater than your grief. Hold on to the hope knowing that, you know what? Your loved one is not only part of your past, but they're part of your future. Isn't that great to know? You know, our, our first baby, actually, the, uh, my wife had a miscarriage years ago. I believe life begins at the point of conception. I believe God created a soul at that moment, a person. And I believe as David did when he said that his baby who died is in heaven. And I believe that baby's in heaven. I never got to see the baby's face, but one day I will. And he or she will be part of my future life in heaven. That's my hope. So let hope be greater than your griefs. How to have hope in times of death? Well, number one, when you struggle with the why, hold on to the who. Let hope be greater than your griefs. And here's the third thing. Safely fall into the arms of Jesus. Safely fall into the arms of Jesus. You know, I remember... um, Years ago, when I was younger, my cousin died. She was, I think, about nine, 19, around there. And she, uh, a, dr- a drunk driver ran a red light and crashed, and she was killed in that accident. And I remember being younger, and it's hard, you know, during that time. I, I, I was a young, well, younger. I feel old now, so younger. But I was a, 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 a newly associate pastor on staff at a church, and... And uh, I got to do the eulogy at the funeral, but it's hard. What do you say? You know, I, it, it's, it's hard. And I know through the years I've made my mistakes, and, and it's hard. What do, you, what do you say to someone in those tragic, tragic situations? I recently heard someone talk about what not to say when someone loses a person to death. And like um, they said, don't ever say, oh, the Lord must have needed another angel. We don't become angels, right? Or, or if, if someone comes to Christ and all of this, it's all worth it. One person whose husband, a believer, committed suicide, someone said, so how did he do it? I mean, there's things not to say. And you know what? Sometimes, and even myself, we mean well, but we don't know how to handle the loss, right? And we say things that really don't. But let me say this, you can go to God if you're going through this. Maybe other people aren't saying things that really comfort you, they only hurt you more. Maybe it just makes your struggle even worse and the pain even worse. But let me say this, you can go to God and be safe in His arms. He knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly what to say. The Holy Spirit knows you. And the Holy Spirit will give you that word. The Holy Spirit will come and help you through those times. And you can safely fall into the arms of Jesus. You can just collapse when you feel so weary, when it's so hard. You you can't go on. You can't get up. God wants to minister to you. When Hudson Taylor, the pioneer missionary to China, was entering his last months of his life, you know what he told a friend? He said, I am so weak, I can't read my Bible, I can't even pray. I can only lie still in God's arms like a little child and trust. I love that. 
Sometimes that's all we can do is just just fall into God's arms. We can't even say it's hard for us to pray. It's hard for us to think. We're just overwhelmed, but we can fall into his arms and he's going to catch you. He's going to hold you. He's going to be there for you. So I pray you find comfort in Jesus if this passage brings up maybe some emotions and feelings, maybe deep feelings, maybe things that are are still there. It's okay. But go to God. Hold on to these three things that I've given you as we look here at the fourth horse of the four horsemen of apocalypse. So this is the appointed time of the fourth seal, the appointed time of death. And that's what we're going to see in verse 8. And number two in our outline is this, the arrival of a widespread death. The arrival of a widespread death. Verse 8, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with famine, and with pestilence, and by wild beasts of the earth. Now, with the call of the angel, come, out comes this pale horse. Remember, as we've been going through this, horse really speaks of power, speaks of conquering, overcoming. And so we see this horse coming out with strength and power. And then the, the color of this horse is pale. The Greek word is uh, chloros. It's where we get chlorophyll or like chlorine. And with this Greek word, it really is describing like this sickly, pale, kind of yellow-green color. It's the color, one commentator said, it's the color of decomposing uh, body, of decomposing corpse. So you, so you can imagine that. Here out comes this source. We had a white one, we had the red one, we had a black one, but this one, oh, this, this is like the real gross color, the pale horse. And the rider here is named. It's interesting. The other riders weren't named. They carried something. Right, The rider on the white horse had a bow, no arrows, we talked about that. The rider on the red horse had, had a great sword, the machaira, right? The rider on the, the black horse had scales, right? That's why I talked about the economic uh, disaster coming on and bringing a, a famine. But this one, we don't see this person carrying anything, but this rider has a name. It's named here, and the rider's name in verse 8 was Death. I was thinking about if you if you do if you if you do a search on the internet, you know, say fourth horse of the pop, you know horseman of the apocalypse, and just click on image. You know, you you know what you're gonna see. You're gonna see this pale horse, and the rider's like this skeleton skeleton guy. Yeah, some of them have a hood and have a the sickle. You know that symbol of death coming. Now I don't know if he's really gonna look like that. I think it's more about events that are going to be happening, you know, in the world. But, but that's in my head, for sure. You know, I'm not sure. But here comes death coming out. And then notice, it says here after that, John says, well, he heard the writer's name was death, and Hades followed him. Now, many times in the Bible, the word Hades is speaking about hell. But in this instance, it's talking about the grave. Many of our modern translations will, will uh, I believe, correctly translate it to the grave. It, it's the idea as people die, they're ready to be put into the ground, into the grave. So it's just this picture of people dying. Now, this is crazy because remember the Antichrist comes in, he, he, he rises up as a savior of the world, he has the solutions for the world problems, you know, our economic problems, our, 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 we, our racism problems, our, our climate problems, everything. He, he comes up, everyone loves him. Seems like he's just bringing peace into the world with the Jews, the Palestinians, the Arabs, all this stuff, conflict we're going on. We talked about that. Everything seems to go really good, but then things fall apart. With this last horse and rider comes the arrival of this widespread death. Life on earth basically is interrupted with a lot of death going on. 
I kind of got this picture in my mind when Henry Morris wrote in his commentary on Revelation. He said this, The good life they anticipated will quickly become ashes as the judgments of God begin to devastate the earth. So you kind of get this picture now. You kind of get this, this, this shock, really. You kind of get this idea. Uh, remember um, we saw in Revelation 4, the four cherubim had a face like an eagle, and I could picture maybe that represents, I don't know, but speed, the speed of all this happening and, and people dying. It's, 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 it's just a shock, all this stuff. So with the pale horse comes the arrival of a widespread death. And then we see in verse 8 two things about this now. Two things. The number one is this. Over one quarter of the world's population dies. Verse 8 once again. He comes to, uh, uh, he's given authority. They were given authority in middle verse 8. Over a fourth of the earth to kill. Isn't that crazy? Death and Hades, they come out. They're given the authority by Jesus who broke open the seal. By God to kill in judgment over a fourth of the earth. That, to me, is just horrifying. It's crazy. If you think about that. These deaths will be on a massive scale that has never, ever been seen before. That's what's going to happen here. You know, they say, this is today, some statistics, nine million people die from starvation every year. I didn't know that. In the world, 9 million people. In World War I, they said 10 million were killed. In the influenza epidemic, or Spanish flu sometimes it's called, 1918-1919, estimated 30 million people died. In World War II, 50 million were killed. But think about this now. With the pale horse, it's going to be way more, way more. This is going to be in the news. This is going to be all of. This is going to be front page. Everything. Think about it this way. Let's say the tribulation comes right now, yeah, right now within this year, and it might, after might happen. But let's say it does. Currently on this planet, there's 7.8 billion people. Let's say when the rapture happens, that 20 percent of the world's population. Disappears. Did you know that I, I saw a survey that it was saying, um, uh, a, a statistics that is that 31% people in the world are Christians or say they're Christians. I don't believe that, you know, because a lot of people say they're Christians, uh, but they're not. But they say 31%. Another report, a Barna report, report a few years ago came out and said, only 17% of, of people who say they're Christian, are, are, they actually hold to a biblical world view. So I was guessing, well, maybe we're around there. Yeah. And, you know, we're praying, right, for revival. I mean, uh, we're praying that before the rapture comes, before all this happens, that God will pour out His Spirit, and, and hopefully there's going to be more. So let's say 20% of the world's population right, disappears, goes home to heaven in the tribulation. Well, that means 6.3 billion people are left to go into the years of the tribulation. 1.5 Christians are gone, then 6.3 billion people are left to go into the tribulation. Well, with the coming of the rider, the pale horse and the rider, one quarter of the world's population dies, who's left over. That means roughly 1.6 billion people die. Do you understand? Why? For me, oh, reading this, my heart just gets sore for these people. It aches. 1.6 billion people die more than ever before. Maybe to get a perspective, you know, if you count to 1 million, like counting every second, like 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, you know, you know how you count every second. And you were to count to a million, it would take you, that's one, this is 1 million, it'll take you a week and a half. A week and a half, you just count it straight. If you were count to one billion, 
counting every second. One, two. It will take you 32 years, close to 32 years to count to one billion. So think about the amount of people. Can you imagine that? At the start of the tribulation, this is what we're covering right now, 1.6 billion people will die. If you were to say each name, you know, sometimes memorials, right? You say each name, maybe uh, like 9-11, when, you know, everyone who died and everything. You never get done. These mass deaths will be on a scale like never before in history. I hope you get a perspective. I hope it burdens your heart. I hope you see what is coming and how, how sad. I remember um, uh, last year, in the last year, um, Fabe and Mona, you know, all things possible ministry in Oahu, our friends, he was going through Revelation at his Bible study, and, and we were talking when he was studying in chapter 6, and he goes, oh, I am, I am just, I'm just, I'm just so sad. I'm just so moved. And now we're here, and I'm thinking, wow, so am I here. So one of the two things we see here with death, Hades follow, with this fourth horseman, uh, the pale horse, number one, over one quarter of the world's population dies. Number two, death will come by many different ways. Death comes by many different ways. So at the end of verse 8, we see listed here like four ways, really. First of all, to kill with sword. Most likely, as we talked about with the red horse a few weeks ago, this is the arrival of that red horse, the warring, the violence between one another, uh, people individually killing each other, turns into this war, countries, and most likely this, it, it's talking about that. By, with sword, because the red horse came out sword, yeah. Number two, it mentions here is famine, and with famine here in verse 8. Most likely, that's what we saw last week, right? The black horse, the economic crash, high, high, crash, high prices, the scales tipped toward famine, people starving, and people literally starving to death, and they die. And then, is mentioned here in verse 8, and with pestilence. Now, that means like disease, sickness, and, and, and we think about today, but it's going to be a hundred times more worse. I mean, I don't know. What is, what is it going to be? Is it going to be like um, something gets out there, you know? I mean, I, I, you know what's crazy? Recently, there's talk again. I remember this, you know, more than a year ago when, when this whole pandemic was starting with coronavirus and there was talk about the lab and Wuhan and, and testing and now that's rising up again you know I don't know I, you know, if you wonder what my opinion is I don't know it could be yeah and then it was touted oh it came from the bat you know in that market and everything like that um, but I don't know now there's talk again of evidence of that of this lab where they're testing and, and creating uh, vaccines and stuff so they create this virus or, and U.S. was involved and you know there's some crazy talk I don't know but can you imagine what if something does get out, but something more worse, right? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So pestilence, disease, a worldwide kind, just even worse than what we're living through today. Also understand this, though. The word pestilence, here's the Greek word thanatos. It's the same word used for death that we see earlier in this verse. So it could also mean death in other ways, not just sickness and, and disease. It, it, it could maybe include calamities that we're going to see, like in the sixth seal, or in the seventh seal that opens up the, the trumpets, and the trumpets open up, uh, the last trumpet opens up the, the bowls. It could be, uh, um, maybe it's speaking about that, but it could be uh, other ways that people die. It's interesting how in Ezekiel 7, verse 15, it says, The sword is without, pestilence and famine are within. He who is in the field dies by the sword, and him who is in the city, famine and pestilence devour. Now, Ezekiel, the prophet, was prophesying the time when Israel would be judged, when the Babylonians would come and take over. But I, I almost see this 
is not just a near prophecy, but a far prophecy of what's coming also, matching what we see here with the fourth horse. All right. So we see death comes by many different ways, sword, famine, pestilence, and finally, look at the end of verse 8, by wild beasts of the earth, by wild animals. Isn't that interesting? What is that? Could it be these wild animals go crazy? I was thinking, well, is, is the, maybe the wars and everything destroy some of the habitats and they start going out, you know, trying to find more food, you know? I read about some places in, in, on the mainland where they get like coyotes, yeah, grabbing uh, your pet, your dog or your cat and eating them as, you know, as uh, things get more populated. Think something like, I don't know. Will animals go crazy, kill people? People are dying, you know, because they're hungry and everything. Maybe, um, I don't know, think like maybe sharks get hungrier. They seem like they're getting hungrier now. <laughs> it's crazy. I was talking to someone just recently. He goes, have you been surfing? Oh, no, I haven't been out for a few weeks or so. And they're like, oh, I don't want to go out anymore. You know, there's, there's sharks, too many, you know. And, it's, and then, you know, you know how someone puts some, that in your head? I'm thinking, Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what, I, I don't know, sharks? Killer bees, right, recently? Murder hornets? Huh? Yeah? Yeah? Um, uh, fire ants, you know, here in Maui? I, I don't know. But listen to this. Some say this. Some commentators say that, you know what? This could really be talking about the most deadliest creature of all. And you know what they name? You know what they name? The rat. The rat. Seriously. For they carry disease and they live in those populated areas. And so I was thinking, oh yeah, you know. They easily like could in- infect, you know, concentrated parts of the population. And this disease just goes all over, right? I mean, think about um, uh, the black plague, right? Bubonic plague. Rats, right? Rats spread the disease way back then, right? Fleas, yeah? Maybe it's a mosquito, yeah? Maybe. Maybe God, I mean, why is there, why did God make mosquito? I don't, to me it's kind of crazy. I mean, maybe it's for this reason, I don't know. But wild animals, you guys, I don't understand it. I think one day when we're in heaven and this is going on, we could look down and go, oh, I see now. Yeah. But this is what's going to happen. All these things, whatever it may be, it's going to bring widespread death, and it's going to come. So, as we begin to wrap up here, you guys understand, this is coming. This, this, this is the future for sure. Right? I've been talking about it. Just as, just as all the prophecies of Jesus' first coming came true, you know what? All the prophecies of His second coming is going to come true. Everything that's surrounding that, Revelation 6, the four horsemen, all this is going to come true. It's coming. With the, with the, the uh, unrest going on and the rockets and everything in Israel, I thought, oh, it's coming soon. Easily. You know, Iran feeding Hamas. You know, they're feeding Hezbollah too with weapons and money up in the north. They're in the north. Hamas, you know, on the bottom. They, did you know... Uh, the Hamas, and I believe Iran behind him, took advantage of a situation. I don't know if you heard in the news, there were six families that were pushed out. They're not pushed out. But they were brought to court, the Supreme Court, because their lease had run out and they weren't paying. They, they, they were basically staying there. They're squatters in some cases, too. There's actually, I think, 12 to 13 families just in this area. But they made it into this issue of who who does really who does this really belong to? And then Iran Hamas took advantage of that to start shooting rockets to get the attention of everyone else in the world. See what Israel's doing, see what they're doing. And I thought, oh. when all this was going, I thought, wow, this could be, you know, Hamas, their mission statement is to get rid of Israel. Iran. Well, they don't want Israel, right? And, and so it's like, 
It could be gathering all the other Arab nations, the, the Shiite ones, because they don't like the, or is it the other way around? I forget. Sunni or Shiite, right? Israel's being friendly to, to one of the Arab, I forget now, Shiites or, or so. Iran's the other one. They don't like that either. I thought, oh, it, it could happen. All that we're reading could just boom, start up. Yeah. So you understand, all this is coming and my heart is sore that death is coming. And so you and I, I'm calling on you, you and I, we all must be doing what we can to share Jesus. Doing what we can. We got to step out more. We got to pray more. We, we, you guys, this is not the time to be timid or to think, ah, Pastor Rick will do it. Ah, Pastor Green Glory, or, or I know somebody, you know, he's such a evangelist. He's, he's not scared at all. You always pass out tracks. Even if it's for you to pray for someone or say, you know, I'm praying for you. Even if it's for you to, to say, oh, you know, I believe in Jesus and I think he can really help you. Even if it's a simple word. Even if it's planting that seed, you guys. A seed. That perhaps if they don't come to Jesus before all this happens, before the appointed time, that perhaps when it starts happening, right, and in their last breath, that seed, what you put in their minds, may come to their mind and they'll call out to Jesus and they'll be saved. That could be you. That could be because of you. Because God sent you to that particular person in that particular moment. And so that one minute of boldness could change a person's eternity forever. Forever. It's time, guys. We got to step up. Things, things, things are ramping up. You know what? Um, the, I was seeing quotes in the news about this whole uh, conflict in Israel that the, um, some Jews are saying, we have never seen it like this before. There's even internal strife going on. Do you know there's 2 million Arabs living in Israel? There's 9 million in Israel. 2 million is Arabs. And, they, and th- they've been at peace. It's these guys on the outskirts that are really trying to make this a huge deal. But now, I was reading, things are starting to get irritated within Israel. And they've never seen it like this. Things are happening. So it's time now to step up, stand up, knowing what's going. I don't know about you, but my heart is sore. And if your heart reading this, understanding what the Word is saying, it should make us sore. It, it, it should stir us up to be more bold, knowing What's coming here? And let me say this last thing. If you're not saved, don't wait till the last minute. I tell you, it's better to give your life to Jesus today, right now, and not have to go through all this. So will you receive Jesus today, right now? Will you pray to receive him into your heart, to give him your life I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving, and I believe He is moving in the worship. That's why I came up. I felt like, oh, God wants us to surrender this, to, to give Him those things that are holding us back, that are coming in between us and Him. It, it's now to live for Jesus, now to accept Jesus. And if you do, you won't have to go through this death in judgment. You can go home in the rapture. And no matter if you pass from this life, death isn't the end. It's only the beginning of being with Jesus. I'll close with this. I read about this widowed father. He was a pastor too. And he was talking about how he was driving with his children to his wife's funeral, where he was actually to officiate him and and preach the sermon. As they came to a stop at a red light, this biggest truck that he ever seen was there and pulled up. The sun was shining on it just at the right angle, and its shadow of this truck spread across the snow on a field beside it. So 
as he was looking at that shadow, he pointed it out to his kids and he says, look, children, look at that truck. Look at its shadow. If you had to be run over, which would you rather be run over by? Would you rather be run over by the truck or the shadow? Well, the youngest, youngest one said, the shadow couldn't hurt anybody. And the father said, yeah, that's right, that's right. You know what? Death is a truck. But the shadow is all that ever touches the Christian. The truck ran over the Lord Jesus. That's how he died for our sins. Then he said, only the shadow has gone over, Mom. Will you give your life to Jesus today? So that death would only affect you like a shadow? And then, you know what? There'll be no reason to fear this pale horse and all that we saw, nor any of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Let's bow our heads right now and pray. God, I pray for anyone here today or anyone connected online who has never received you, God, never surrendered their life to you, and I pray this would be the moment. I pray, God, that your spirit would speak to them and continue to move upon them and that this would be the day of salvation that right now would be the time to go from living your own life and living for Jesus. Lord, I pray for them right now. If there's anyone here and and anyone online, I just ask you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me now. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you can forgive me. I believe you rose again. Lord, come into my heart as I surrender my life to you completely. Give me a new life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And help me now to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.